This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. I normally do these these podcasts at night. So I normally have my whiskey or my bourbon. This is very unusual because I'm not having coffee because it's early in the morning. Uh, because my guest, Dr. Sam Bailey, is in that awful, that awful country called Middle Earth. I mean, sorry, New Zealand. <laughs> New Zealand. <laughs> I know. So nice to see you, Jim. No, I'm actually in Christchurch, which is a like a, it's about the second biggest city in New Zealand. So about 400,000 people. Is yeah. Christchurch where that earthquake was a number of years ago? Yeah, yeah, it was. So we've had some major disasters. We had a huge earthquake. And then um, last year, or the year before, was that? I can't even remember. We had a mosque shooting of 50 people were killed. Yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that guy that filmed it. He filmed himself going with the guns, if I, if I got it correct. Oh, right. Yeah, ex- yeah. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And it's, and it's such a, normally it's such a quiet little town. It's, it's nothing really happens here, mm. but we've had some major, major stuff. So yeah, it's been full on. And it's funny because a lot of the coronavirus stuff gives you that same feeling like the lockdowns. It's the mm. same feeling like after earthquakes and things. It's a strange comparison, but yeah. That you're probably the nicest or the sweetest doctor on the internet. <laughs> Oh, what, Jim? You're going to make me get all all flushed and embarrassed. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Um, but you're also you're also very pregnant. Is that right? <laughs> yes. I'm actually eight months pregnant at the moment. So, um, yeah, because you never see me from up here. <laughs> if I stood up, I look very, very pregnant. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's true. But not many people know that you're you're, you're – it's well, it's because, it's because you told me, that's why. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you brought out Virus Mania, which is a book that I've been recommending to everybody. And it's it's essentially an update to a, a, a previous book of the same name, uh, but more relevant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'll just tell you the story of kind of what happened to me, where how it's mm. all this led up. So... Um, in January last year, I was, uh, you know, everything was happening with people, you're getting all the information from Wuhan, images of people falling down in the streets and, and, and you're trying to make sense of everything. And um, and I started, it was actually Andy Kaufman who really started me on the start, well, the beginning of this journey. And I watched one of his videos and at the time I was making YouTube videos, but I wasn't really talking about COVID because I thought, you just didn't it was so hard to get accurate information and um anyway then um from there i found virus mania which was first written in 2007 by these two german authors so one's a german physician dr klaus um kuhnlein and another is a true investigative journalist and anyway um whether this was subconscious or not i started making the themes of virus mania in my videos because I thought this, this, these guys are right on, on the money. And um, anyway, and then I beca- became more and more, <laughs> I guess, controversial. I don't like to use that word, but it was. And um, and then everything really went pear-shaped for me in September last year where um, 
I made this video because I had this inside source um, about the PCR tests that I knew that the funding was being switched off and on in New Zealand for these PCR tests and the rates of illness cases, sorry, were going up and down related to this funding. And so I made a video on it and then um, all kind of hell broke loose. Um, mm. Basically, that was the end of it for me, for my, uh, I lost a job and- um, Yeah, you on TV. Yeah, I was, I was making, I was three quarters of the way through filming a TV show and um, they said, they, the lawyer called me and said, you need to take down that video because I said I wouldn't have the vaccine and if it, when it comes and then um, sure enough, I said no and they said, okay, we'll just take out the bit with the vaccines and I said, I can't do that. I, I believe everything that I said and I don't want someone else controlling what I can say. Um, so yeah, then they fired me and, um, it kind of, the rest is history, but as a consequence of that, um, the authors, one of the authors reached out and said, do you want to interview Dr. Klaus? And I said, oh my gosh, I'd love this. That would mm. be an amazing opportunity. And we got on so well, maybe it's cause I'm the way I am. I don't know, but, um, he, uh, they said, you know, do you want to be part of this? And it's just been it's been amazing since then just to be part of something much bigger and um and yeah like thank you i appreciate what you say about how i try to make my videos i like memes i like kind of satire and um and sometimes that comes through as well now sorry just hold on one second um i hope that's COVID because i've been trying to catch it for a year and a half now And then I, I decided to buy your book, Virus Mania, after, after your sterling review of your own book. <laughs> and <laughs> the book is essentially an ex- extremely well-researched critique of germ theory. Yep. That's essentially what exactly. it is. You also read that book, Beauchamp versus Pasteur. Yeah, I... Uh, to, in honesty, Jim, I haven't read that oh, book, but yeah. I know of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's all the same. Um, the the history between those two are really interesting. And what was your take? Because you've read it, is yes. it? Or? Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, Louis Pasteur was a fraud. Let's put it that way. Essentially, uh, I look at it as there have been a series of false pandemics that have happened throughout history and like you say it dismantles them um the science behind them so it puts basically the the founding experiments under the microscope and it's not written it's not heavily like i think even for lay people it's very easy to understand where a lot of these experiments were based on um just the awful kind of animal experiments that they've done and there's often no controls the interrelationship between big pharma, governments, government experts, the media, and you can see, I mean, the first time I read it, I thought, how, how the, these guys have been so prescient, how did they see all of this from, because Corona is just the latest version of what they've been trying to do for decades. Um, and like you say, germ theory is central to it. And um, in, in fairness, you know, I was, like you say, I'm conventionally trained. I didn't even know about what terrain theory was. Um, it wasn't something we were ever taught. We were taught about things like opportunistic infections. So when um, someone has chemotherapy or is very sick, um, you, you, their immune system is suppressed. 
And there are these things called opportunistic infections where a bug comes in and makes you really sick, but it doesn't happen to healthy people. And this concept was coined by uh, another terrain theorist, Debeau. Um, and so it, it's interesting, a lot of the um, the ideas with viruses, because it's it's dismantling viral dogma. And I think virology is this dogma that actually needs, I think once you expose it, uh, you understand how ridiculous everything that is happening today is. Um, and that's the most common thing that people say to me who've read the book is, I didn't realize the level of corruption, how research has been taken over essentially by Big Pharma and um, all the, the money that is involved. I mean, germ theory really comes down to one sentence. It, there's one cause, so let's say SARS-CoV-2, one disease, COVID-19, and one cure, which is vaccines. And I like to add in there, there's also one test, which is the PCR test. And there's money in every single one of those points. A lot of money. It, it sounds ridiculous when you say it like that. Um, but the entire established view seems to be exactly that. One, one, one cause, one disease, and one cure. But could it be the case, Sam, that it's a combination of both germ theory and terrain theory, or or, or is it one or the other? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I made a video about germ theory versus um, terrain theory, but um, my feeling is that germ, I think they both have valid concepts. Um, I believe that germ theory has gone completely out of control with with COVID and that people are terrified that microbes are gonna are gonna kill them and mm. um and but really we underestimate the the terrain so that uh I mean I'm not sure if you're I'm really interested in plants and gardening <laughs> and I love um growing lemon trees for example and <laughs> I know that that <laughs> I know I'm becoming a cliche mum but <laughs> that, um the, the lemons, you know when the lemon tree is sick because there's something wrong with the soil, the acidity, there's something wrong with the nutrition of the plant and then they get diseases and this is the whole basis of of terrain theory and people um, who are big germ theory, which is basically mainstream medical, have this idea that the, the germs are... it's the disease is caused from outside of the body and they externalize health and they look to medicine to fix them. Mm. Um, whereas terrain theory is very much about the disease comes from within. And there are so many examples of where uh, the lack of proof of things. So for example, the, like you said, the Spanish flu, we do a, a big section on that in virus mania and show the lack of transmissibility um, and they they tried their best. I mean, it's not like they weren't trying to show that this mm. that, that you can infect uh, someone else. But basically, if you're healthy and you look after yourself with good nutrition, water, sleep, all the all the basic stuff, it, it, you don't have to. There's nothing to fear. Yeah, but I mean that's very politically incorrect. Uh, you can't you, you can't talk about being healthy, Sam, because the medical fraternity needs you to take a pill. <laughs> 
Exactly. There's too much money at stake. And I've worked for 10 years. I've done clinical trials. That was one of my main areas that I worked in. And that was what was so shocking to me with um, the vaccine was just how how could this come about um, so quickly and and without any evidence? Um, it was shocking to me. So, yeah, the, no. you're right. It, there's no money in terrain theory. What is germ theory and what is terrain theory? So, like I say, germ theory is the concept that there is one microbe that causes one disease and there's usually one magic bullet to it. That's the the lovely little package. Whereas terrain theory is the idea that your terrain or your environment, your body, has a terrain of um, of microbes that are in you and that you have to be run down. There has to be something wrong with the terrain for the bacteria that are already there to take over. A, a, a nice example of this was an experiment they did with calves, so um, young uh, cows that were born and they delivered them by cesarean section and uh, they um, put the, put them in these sterile free cages and fed them sterile food and they died within about three days. We need bacteria to to live and this this uh, Pasteur's thinking which is was the driver of Germ, germ theory is all about um, that to be healthy you need to be sterile and it's just not true yeah I mean he hated germs I mean I can't because of him I can't even drink milk um, that's unpasteurized yeah. so what you're saying is this germ theory um, is essentially it's the idea that a microbe a single microbe can cause a disease and then it can be uh, cured through some sort of silver bullet like a vaccine or a pill or something yeah. is, is that right yes, yes <clears throat> okay perfect. terrain theory is that a d- diseased tissue um, attracts microbes whose whose job it is to break down the dying or dead matter yeah yeah essentially that yeah, the microbes are already present in us and there are different. So bacteria is present in huge numbers. So there's a something like a hundred trillion in the gut and the, in the human digestive tract. Uh, fungi, their main uh, purpose is to decompose uh, dead tissue. And so it's fungi are everywhere as well. Um, but we need them for life. They are essential for life. Yeah, and uh, and and that's that's also something that you said in your in your book that you, you start off by saying that we all live in sort of symbiosis. We all live in harmony with the environment, and the moment that there's some sort of toxin, let's say I don't know, uh, pollution or uh, poison of some sort, or whatever, right? The moment that comes in, it damages that symbiosis and creates illness, and then the bacteria, all the microbes, basically try and and resolve the situation like hyenas at a dead carcass that's right exactly yeah so they take over that role and um yeah they but it but it's essential that yeah this understanding that we can't 
we we can't get we can't catch a disease as such and and i i do want to stress what the things that are important that i do believe are true with germ theory there are instances where obviously um, infections can happen i think urinary tract infections is a really good example where the urine is sterile and it can get an infection in there and antibiotics often are the best solution i don't like to throw out the whole baby with the bathwater thing but um I think the swing has gone far too far away from terrain theory into this germ theory model and you see it everywhere um, in the media of this let's use hand sanitizers and we have to I mean bleach was just you couldn't even get it from the supermarket during lockdowns <laughs> it's just this obsession with germs and um, and I think it's actually very damaging for people's health. Um, just off topic but I'm a strong advocate of germ warfare theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, <okay. laughs> where does this name come from? Seriously, like, where does where did it come from? Was it was it no, just? We, but, but, no, so I was I was called German. I was in school, a uh, nickname for Jeremy, and um, it kind of just stuck. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I started using that. How can it be then that the entire medical establishment is corrupt? It sounds very conspiratorial. Yeah, well, I, I don't think I don't think it's like that. I think doctors, on the whole, are doing their best. They just don't know any other way. Um, I mean, everything's been set up, and more and more, it's been pushed to this way too, where you've got evidence-based medicine, whatever that's supposed to be, and and we're essentially told. I mean, and I didn't realize this until later on that what you learn about drugs essentially a marketing. This is the marketing spin from big pharma, and you just accept it. You don't question things. And um, and I've always probably been more curious in nature and I, I like to understand things properly and I've made mistakes along the way. But I, with, with this virology to me is really interesting because I think one day it's probably going to be considered to be like alchemy. It's just, maybe I'm going out on a limb here. I just think it's um, something that, yeah. Okay, so... Then are you suggesting, Sam, or not you, but is the is the, the, the critique of germ theory suggesting that if you can't catch a virus, what is going on? How is it then that every year we get flu season? How is it that in a room, in, in, a, in a family, if somebody, say, gets flu and then others get flu, uh, what what's going on? Yeah, well, it's one, a really common question I get, like another one I get asked all the time about is chicken pox mm. parties and, and how do they work? And 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 I think um, particularly when it comes to family illness, the classic, you just think of, I can think of countless examples of this, of like a young family where you've got a couple of kids and maybe three out of the four come down with the same symptoms and one person doesn't but you, there's such confounders with these because they're exposed to the same environmental conditions and often it's all sorts of things so it's lack of sleep it's the same stress that parents are under they're working full-time whatever um, and often it happens in winter where people are vitamin D deficient I mean we have high rates of vitamin D deficiency where I'm from and it's not something that's encouraged that people take vitamin D and I'm not saying it's all I think it's a combination of factors it's not when being run down if it was a true infection we should all be getting it 
it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me that um, and, and 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 virus mania particularly we show the problems of the lack of isolation. That's really what uh, got me is to understand that. Okay, well, if we need to prove that this happens and they can't. Yeah, again, it's going back to, I mean, Stephen Lank has done some amazing experiments with um, showing about that you don't even need a sample from a person, from an infected person, to show this, this what they call cytopathic effects or the changes in the in the cells, um, as a which they were purport to say is as a result of a virus. The um, with uh, virus mania, the idea behind a lot of these infections is that we for years we've been told, as an example. Sorry, just as an aside, which I thought was really interesting, heart attacks used to be thought to be from an infection as well, until it was, you know, discovered it wasn't. A lot of these things, vitamin deficiencies, we just don't know about. Um, beriberi, pellagra, another examples where they were actually the conditions that people were experiencing were from deficiencies, from nutritional deficiencies in the food. I think there are lots of things at play and the body is very complicated, but it's not it's just it's not simple like that it's just come from a virus. And I think in virus mania again we we don't really come out strongly with that. I think it's mostly just showing the evidence, showing mm, well, the, the literature, of- the lack of it. And saying, "Look, make up your own mind. Uh, make your own well, decisions." Well, I mean, you 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 do run a very strong case for DDT. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, polio—it's often the one that people come out with mo- the most strongly for in terms of vaccine safety. You know, vaccines that. It, but just tra- tracing back through history, we know that these epidemics, when they were at their worst. The, when you introduce vaccines, it wasn't the thing that was, it was already in the general decline. And other books have talked about this really well as like dissolving illusions is another great example. Is it, is it fair to say that what we understand about viruses is also probably completely wrong? I think so. And honestly, I do. Yeah. The, like you say, the the book has over twelve hundred references. It's 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 enormous, and <laughs> uh, going through each, um, I guess each pandemic and showing just the extent of what these what the original research showed. And and I mean, I do talk about this in some of my videos, and it's disturbing. Where you think, like you were talking about with rabies, I mean, essentially Pasteur was injecting the brains of dogs <laughs> with. Uh, you know, concoction mm. to, to show. I mean, this this doesn't happen naturally. And the experience experiments they do on monkeys um, for SARS one, there's so it's really disturbing when you look at it. And I think there's a whole bunch of technical jargon that it's quite hard to get through. And um, for an average person to read like the scientific papers, it's confusing. And I get constantly on my channel, people will say, "Oh, but." Say for example, SARS-CoV-2. It's been isolated here. See, what, look at the CDC. I'm like, no, but even the definitions of how they term what isolation means, uh, and I and I know it seems geeky, but I think these definitions are incredibly important um, because what someone understands as isolation, what I thought was isolation, is not what is actually happening with 
many of these um, so what is, viruses. What is isolation then? So isolation is when you – do you mean what is it supposed to be or what, what is it when they say that they, they do Both. that? Both. <laughs> so virus isolation from a virologist's perspective is that they take a sample from – a person, and it's say for SARS-CoV-2, they took a bronchioalveolar lavage specimen. They usually they purify it with this process called ultra centrifugation, which isn't which isn't what it is, and they put it through a computer and pick up, um, you know, a genetic genomic sequence, and this is already apparently isolated by this point. They haven't actually gone with it. Uh, what we have always asked for in virus mania is that they isolate it by the true definition so they get it down to the smallest amount and they can show you the outside, the the shell of the virus, the the genetic sequences inside, the whole um, the whole part, the whole bit. <laughs> and this is it's just never been done. For any virus, not that I'm aware of. The the only the closest thing they've come to is a paper that I found, um, which looked at, which was basically showing virus-like particles, and they got very close. They did it with this, um, sorry, forgive me. It's like a sucrose uh, gradient uh, technique, and did a good job. But again, it's still, it hasn't proven that this is actually. What we want to know is that the genetic material, the RNA, comes from inside. Where Where is it coming from? Just because we can detect it doesn't mean that it's actually coming from inside a virus. I mean, HIV is a whole nother <laughs> can of worms um, to unpack. It's, um, But yeah, the, it's interesting. I, I think some really gr- groups that have done tr- tremendous work on this uh groups like the Perth Group in Australia with Eleni Papadopoulos. I don't know if you're aware of her work. Uh, I mean, she was a physicist, but she understands more about this than probably anyone in the world. And Stefan Lank has been massively inspired by her her work as well. So, yeah, the, the I, I try and break it down to just the idea that these just because you can detect genetic sequences, you don't know where they're coming from and what what it means that you can't prove that that's infectious. To, to, to truly do it, you have to go through all of Cox postulates and, and experiment after experiment. They, they just can't do it. Are you, let me play devil's advocate. Are you, are you nitpicking to try, to, try, <laughs> to, to, try, to try and make an argument uh, for a counter-argument? In other words, are you well, are you are you are you are you trying to set up an impossible scenario? Then I don't think so. I just I want to see the evidence. I think these these experiments can be done. It's not that they can't be. You know, the concept of the framework of an experiment to prove this. Why can't it be shown? Mm. I. That's what my problem with it is that I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I yeah. think from the evidence that I've seen. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I haven't seen the the examples, and I mean, just yeah, going back to those um, some of the the sort of 
like I did a video talking about um, the ferrets, ferrets um, yeah, experiments that they've been doing to try and 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 you and you think just why do they make it so um, difficult? <laughs> well, surely this can be actually proven. Mm. And it's like in some ways I wish they would. I wish please just show us so that we can move on from this. And even people like um, Samuel Eckhart, who has that, he's a German chap who's got the Truth Isolate Fund, where he's saying, you know, for I'll give you 1.5 million euro if you can show any, the proof of, of existence of any coronavirus, not just SARS-CoV-2, any coronavirus. And you think, okay, if it's so easy, why just, just do it. But people can't. And everything's based on this false premise. Adele has a question for you, um, Sam. Um, where do prions fit um, into um, your critique? Yeah, so actually we do a whole section in virus mania on prions or mad cow disease. And essentially, <laughs> long story short, it's, you know, they don't really, they don't, again, the, pro the proof of existence and what these things are and the lack of it. Um, I, I'd recommend people to read the book to understand yeah, the background. I've heard this really good analogy of you've got the fire truck um, there, so there must be a fire, and it's it's not just because it's right there doesn't mean that that's what's mm. causing it. So, yeah, I mean, prion disease is complex. I mean, what we were taught at medical school is that these are proteins, and um, but again, mad cow disease was essentially it was a false another false epidemic of uh, and they killed millions of cows for, for this um it never eventuated and again i don't think everyone's in on in on this <laughs> it's some giant conspiracy i think people go along with it because it's what you've sort of been taught and when you start questioning it it's just it is like questioning a dogma uh, but it i agree with you jim i think it's um <sighs> It, it more and more to me seems that that's the way and I mean even you look at say things like anthrax um, you know anthrax I, I, again I talk about it in one of my videos but the it's there are spores in the environment all the time that we're breathing in so most people aren't getting sick from this um, there have been there, I think there's something like two deaths a year in the US from anthrax and most of the the real serious stuff is probably from weaponized anthrax, um, but it's not transmit. You can't transmit it to someone else. So if I had anthrax, I can't give it to you. It's not mm. a transmissible thing. So, yeah, um, it, it is. It it's kind oh. of mind blowing. Is a virus actually a pathogenic organism? Yeah, I, I don't think so. But I, 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 I it's it, it's. <laughs> For me, I find it. I struggle with it because it's uh, it is a huge leap of faith. I just what I like to say is I don't see evidence for that. Um, but I mean, if that's the case, if that's the case, then what the heck are you vaccinating against? Yeah, well, <laughs> the the whole vaccine industry um, it's again around antibodies. And just because you can form antibodies, basically it doesn't mean that there's an existence of a virus. So antibodies will form. It, it's it, you've just 
basically proven the existence of antibodies. <laughs> so a lot of what vaccines are are around this concept. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's so much money at stake here. Uh, I, I mean, I just, you have to follow the money with this. And it seems that, what I, what kind of saddens me, Jim, is that I think the medical system's so broken and and I, I've always wrestled with this throughout my career of thinking, how, how can you help people better? And um, because of the influence of Big Pharma, um, it's it's very, very difficult. And even, I mean, I've lost close friends over this. I can't, they, they're just, um, they won't talk to me anymore. It, it's, um, it, you know, it's hard at first, but I think there is something to this. And what is lovely about virus mania is that it does set it out just so well, just walking you through all, all these epidemics and how, how this has all happened. You, you were talking about the Spanish flu. Um, and um, and you presented a couple of arguments that um, it wasn't contagious um, and that it was breaking out in clusters. Um, yeah. That's very interesting for me is the cluster argument uh, because if a pathogen is spreading across a population, it shouldn't occur in clusters. Absolutely, of course. And it's one of the arguments um, that we use around why... Why are, uh, are the case numbers and um, of say coronavirus, or whatever, different based on borders? It, it makes no sense. And clustering is something that's pushed so heavily by public health. Where if you have a group of people together, um, that somehow this has all been transmitted. But where did it first start from? This is what I don't understand. For example, SARS-CoV-2, apparently it came from bats, but now that's not true. And who was, how did this first happen? We'd, I mean, surely these things have been going around forever if this is the case. Yes, and they're zombies because they, they keep mutating so that they can't be caught. <laughs> exactly. They're very clever. <laughs> but, but this is where it's weird. It's only viruses. It's only viruses that act like this. It's not, it's yeah. not, it's not fungus or, or, um, or uh, 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 parasites, etc. It's only viruses that have this very strange behavior. Um, and they're invisible, just to make everything even more complicated. Absolutely. And I mean, the invisible threat is the is the hardest thing for people to... It's, it's the ultimate weapon, isn't it? Where people are scared of, they don't know who's going to be... Okay, but are you saying... What? Sorry, Sam, I interrupted you, but are you, are you, are you, are you suggesting then that all of this lab experimentation with viruses is nonsense I just want to see some experiments where they do it properly where they do controlled experiments like what you've been taught they they can reproduce it they don't they do it mm. once and it's a poorly designed study they never reproduce it and then it's accepted as dogma and then if you question that then you're somehow crazy I, I, I can't yeah. accept, I can't accept that yeah, I mean, how did how did you get to that? Because you were trained conventionally, and something happened during this this uh, SARS this whole SARS story. What I mean, what happened? How did you start, or why did you start questioning things? Well, yeah, like I say, I think for me it was when things just weren't adding up. I just um, and also really in September when I got. Uh, 
it felt like this was what happened with my kind of censorship of people trying to say stop making these videos, <laughs> literally, um, that there was political motivations behind this. And, um, and you know, when you're right over the target, you get a, a lot of flack. And I, that's when I thought, actually, I have to look into this more. I have to understand how were these experiments done. And, like, I, I really believe that um, there's this hubris within medicine where people, nobody can comment unless you're the virologist or the deemed, you know, ordained expert. But actually, there are some incredibly smart people <laughs> who go off and just look at these things themselves and come to the same conclusions. And I think, well, we can't all be crazy. <laughs> there has to be something to this. So I started probably in terms of how it's evolved for, for me, I started thinking I believed SARS-CoV-2 exists, and but I don't think it's as lethal as what people are saying. And when you start... Uh, if it was a truly truly lethal pandemic, mm -hmm. I, we would see evidence of this. And all I knew of was five patients, five end-stage dementia patients that had died. And I was told by the people that was looking after them that they had were going to die anyway. And I thought, okay, well, that doesn't make it. But and slowly over time, I've sort of more and more <laughs> moved into this concept of there's such a, there's no evidence for isolation of this virus. The PCR test is essentially fraudulent. It is not fit for purpose for infections. And I'm not saying I think PCRs has actually a role in, but not for infections. And the more you look into it, the more you see the inconsistencies. And it's not just viruses. I see problems with other other conditions like pertussis, whooping cough, um, Legionella, and and I know of evidence of cover-ups that have happened mm. as well. Um, I, I want to do more videos on this. Yeah, so it's a, it's it's a big. There's too many question marks. <laughs> well, let's let's also let's also add to that that one of the greatest scientists to have ever lived, um, Carrie Mullis, um, yeah. himself said that you can find anything you want with PCR. Absolutely, and. That for me has been a big focus on my videos as I wanted to understand how it actually works and and explain it to people in a way and I get attacked for it but I I, I, I really believe that it's not um, it's just like Carrie Muller said it's not you can it doesn't tell you that you're sick or you're infectious and all these cases that we have the um, another massive thing that I, I'm really big on is um, about the sensitivity and specificity of tests, and so particularly with PCR, um, they they purport that it's so good that it's got this high what they call analytical specificity, but that doesn't mean that it tells you that you have this disease, and that's the one question I've asked over and over again to our own, um, the authorities in New Zealand, the Ministry of Health, tell me what the diagnostic specificity is. And they can't because they've never done it. And they're pretending that this is a gold standard and, and everything's based on this PCR. I think once that's unraveled, everything um, everything falls away. Something Something is happening. People are dying. Yeah, and again, we talk about this a lot in virus mania. And I'm not trying to deny that people are dying. Um, it's like AIDS. The, 
it's really comes down to a classification, a definition issue, where one day there's no such thing as AIDS, that it, you've got people dying of things like Burkitt lymphoma. Then they come up with an HIV. Yeah, exactly. Cancer, whatever. But, um, and then you have a positive test for HIV and suddenly it becomes AIDS. And this is what's happened, I, I believe. There are other things going on in the background, um, which Dr. Klaus Kuhnlein, when I interviewed him, talked about, and I agree with him, where they did these horrible, essentially, experiments on people giving toxic doses of hydroxychloroquine to um, to elderly patients, and it's known to cause arrests, cardiac arrests, and and I don't know whether this was to put the kibosh on hydroxychloroquine or not, but I think it contributed to some of the excess mortality that we've seen, definitely where the, the, these studies were done. Um, so yes, people have died, but again, to, to make that leap of faith and say this is from a virus is absurd. It, it really is. Yeah, so what you're suggesting then is that people are dying and it could be a whole collection of causes. Um, and we're also in a very strange time where people are losing their jobs because of lockdowns. Uh, they're getting extra, extra stress. Um, people are, are experiencing trauma, particularly here in South Africa where we've got massive unemployment issues and now that's been compounded by people being blocked from, from earning an income. Uh, masks. People are wearing masks all over the place. Um, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence, unless I've got it wrong, that masks are creating sickness, but it seems very obvious that masks, increased mask usage does create illness because you're breathing in carbon dioxide the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you know, Nick Hudson from Panda, uh, I mean, he's done some amazing work on this and I completely agree the lockdowns themselves and all the things that are associated with it, of course, have an effect on us. And I mean, the the basic things, you, you're not even allowed to recommend like vitamin D in winter. I just, I can't even conceptualize this. And I mean, there are other, so many fear tactics that they do, like this cumulative um, counting of, of mm. COVID. And, um, you know, the only other example I know of is HIV where they do that. Every other health condition, it's it's done yearly and you and you start again. Why why do they do this where it's constantly added to and it's to create fear? And um, yeah, we know that social isolation, all those uh, causes um, are incredibly uh, destructive to to human health. So um, Wolf, Wolfgang in the comments says here that understanding all the complexities of the body is like trying to understand God. Um, that's a, but that's a profound statement. I mean, he's he's yeah. right. Um, is it is it is it is it is it fair to say that the science is just simply not settled? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think we. Uh, there's just. I think there's so many. What what frustrates me is that you can't. Even if you want to do these good research trials, how, how do you do them? Like, for example, knowing about the microbiome in, in the body and how nutrition affects that and how different toxins affect it. To, to, to run a study like that, you, you never get funding. 
the the only money is through big pharma is the cures um, and even through universities. So to try and sort of cut it down, we, it, I don't know how you can sort of move forward with this. Um, like Wolfgang says, I agree, the body is infinitely complex and we think we're so clever <laughs> that we know everything, that we've discovered it all. And, and I don't think that's the case. Um, but I do think there is a huge dogma around viruses and there's a whole lot of myths that are clung to and it's led to what we have today, this this obsession with germ theory. Um, and, and, that, and I don't... Yeah, and that germs are bad and we must be, we must be fearful of them. Absolutely. And what's so kind of I love about virus mania as well is the the concept that health is all in your control that you, there's nothing to be scared of and um, it's really simple at the end of the day what we need to do <laughs> and we all know it we all know the things that um, make us healthy and, and don't and make us unhealthy um, yeah so it's yeah. what how does that how does that saying go microbes or nothing terrain is everything we we can control our health and and like i say i've i've definitely seen this in my time when i worked as a general practitioner you you'd have patients that come in and they want you to fix them that there's this real externalization i want something to blame on why i'm sick and i wish it was easy i wish i could fix it you know like that for them but it, often it it never worked it, it, it's i am a big believer in that disease comes from within. from within and yeah. In front of you, there's a crystal ball. What do you see? I see, I see hope. I'm a very optimistic person. I think it's going to take time. I, I think we've got to just try and hang in there at the moment um, as this craziness unfolds. But one of my true beliefs is around. I think this is going to cause an awakening for many, many people and take that whatever you will I, I believe in something higher that that we will reach because of it um, and possibly like I always think of say like the um, East Germany with the Berlin Wall and how you know it's very hard for the first people when they first start throwing stones they're the ones that get killed <laughs> in the in the battle but eventually it becomes groundswell and I think for us all um, we cannot remain silent. That is really important, and we must speak. We must be open and talk about what we believe. Um, and I think we'll get there. I really do. I just, I think it may take a few years. <laughs> you've got two kids that are vaccinated, if I remember correctly, and you've got one on the way. Is yeah, I'll be honest. <laughs> is is vaccination on the way for your for your next child? Um, no, I've done a huge turnaround uh, in that. Yeah, and I I was fully vaccinated, Jim. I, I even I had, the, I had the I had the flu vaccine not last year, but the year before, and every year without fail. And um, but the more I understand, for me, it's about this lack of proof of of viruses of these viruses. What is the treatment for? That's really what it comes down for me. Not even, I know there's obviously, particularly with COVID, the coronavirus vaccines is so much, I mean, the more you learn about it, the more it makes me sick. But the, 
regardless of that, I think, why do we take treatments? It's, you know, <laughs> you have to accept the premise that these things exist. And I, I think it's all in our own control. So yeah, this, my, my next wee, wee little guy, he's not going to have anything. And, um, but I, 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 like I say, I don't, I, I never tell, I, I don't like telling people what to think or what to mm. do. And I, I, personally think you've got to do your own research and find this stuff out come to your own conclusions um yeah thank you jim i i feel like it's a privilege you know to do this to uh, i i'm i'm grateful to be able to make youtube videos and that people want to watch it but also i think it's that sense and maybe you have that too i i feel compelled to do this for children for for other fellow human beings (laughs) to understand um, what's going on and I, I it's the loveliest thing people write to me and say that you're a light in the darkness and and I think wow <laughs> really it's um it's very touching so thank you for the opportunity it's an absolute pleasure my name is Jim this is Jim Warfare if you enjoyed this podcast Please visit supportgerm.com.